2: on with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD 2
3: 2020 campaign update. Senator Elizabeth Warren's fundraising numbers have dipped not because of Saturday Night Live folks but because she's been battling South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg. We'll have a complete campaign update as we enter into the last days of the decade and head into a 2020 election year. Meanwhile two senators did you see this Two U.S. senators have been banned by the Philippines from entering into the country. Why? We will give you that answer as well. And President Trump boasting about the stock market. Is the economy really doing as well as he tweets? We'll dive into the specifics on that front with two political insiders. Jonathan Cott is here. First time on with me. Second time on the program. He's a former senior advisor to Senator Joe Manchin, who, by the way, you know I'm going to ask, is Manchin going to be f- with Trump or against Trump on impeachment? And now he's the president of Majority Makers, which is a firm here in Washington, D.C. Brian Darling is- returns. He's the former senior communications director to Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, the founder of Liberty Government Affairs. It's Friday, folks. Short and weak, but what a week it was with the holiday and uh you know crazy travel out there i'm still struck by that 60 car pileup the other day uh on the highway around here 60 cars in virginia were impacted by that so drive safe if you're heading anywhere this weekend or if you're coming back Uh, Stay safe out there on those roads. Jonathan Kotze here, former senior advisor to Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia. Now he's the president of Majority Makers. Jonathan, thanks for coming in. Tell us about Majority Makers.
0: Uh, It's an organization that helps moderate Democrats uh, who are a dying breed, but a breed that is necessary, I think, to get things done in Washington, D.C. these days. So we're out there just helping moderate members communicate better nationally and back home in their district the
3: connor lambs of the world
0: connor lambs joe mansion yeah
3: very interesting interesting stuff brian darling's here former senior communications director to kentucky senator ram paul founder of liberty government affairs a massive new england patriots fan yes but I, I i've said this the other day and i'm going to say it again I am going to be rooting so hard for the Washington Redskins this weekend against yeah. the Dallas Cowboys because that means that we're going to beat the Giants. The yes. Eagles will beat the Giants, but I'm listen, Washington. You're slowly turning me into a go Redskins guy.
4: <laughs> yeah, Is it the last game of the year. You want to see him actually. Do something. Do something. Well, you guys
3: good. cheat, so I mean, it is going to be interesting. Win to see. and cheat. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you you're not there, you can't. If you cheat, you're not a winner. You're a cheater.
4: Ah, it's not can't. the way it looks like with all those rings. Oh
3: my gosh! <laughs> all right. So because of that. Let's talk 2020. Yes. (laughs) Did you guys see this? Ryan Teague Beckwith, my colleague here at Bloomberg, uh, Ryan Teague Beckwith has this great article up on the terminal diving into the fundraising numbers of all of the candidates. And only a little more than a week, he reports, after Elizabeth Warren boasted about her grassroots fundraising at a Democratic debate, her campaign admitted it is falling short. In an email to supporters, the Warren campaign said it has raised less money than in the previous quarter. Uh-oh. So far this quarter, we've raised a little over $17 million. That's a good chunk behind where we were at this time last quarter, the email says. And this, they cite CNBC. If that holds, it would be a 30% drop from her third quarter total to, of, of roughly $25 million.
0: Is it because of Buttigieg or why is this, Jonathan Cot? I, I think it's probably uh- – the fact that the holidays came up and people are spending their money elsewhere. I also think this is probably going to be a nice ploy for her to get a huge fundraising day or two in before the end of the year. So I would not be I would not be surprised if she meets her goals from last quarter and if she sees a spike in the next couple days. See, this
3: is why I love this, is because you two know, you, you've actually probably clicked send on many of those, I'm going to say it, annoying fundraising emails yes, and now annoying. text messages that everybody gets asking for money from all the campaigns. So when you say you're broke with $17 million, what you're really saying, it's, you're really using that, what you're telling me, as an opportunity to, to make more money. Is Warren doing as bad as maybe that email suggests?
4: Well, she's not doing great. I mean, she's definitely had her peak and fall and, and starting to fall back. But uh, the fundraising is true. A lot of it is a ploy where you say, oh, you know, I need money. I need money. We're coming to the end of the year. I need that money just before the end of the year. Help me out. Then all of a sudden, you have a ton of money to report the, the January 1st.
3: So the next debate's on January 14th in Iowa. And Biden's going to be in Iowa. Joe Biden, former Vice President Joe Biden, going to be campaigning painting in Iowa today as well as tomorrow Sanders is up in New Hampshire and then he'll return to Iowa next week. I'm really struck by this buzz that Bernie Sanders got Jonathan Cot uh, all throughout the week Politico's lead story was you know Democratic establishment now suggesting that they would have to get on board with Bernie he his poll numbers and we I sound like a, a broken record his poll numbers have
0: just been so consistent no one can make a dent into Sanders. Bernie has a serious base. He has a base that's not going to leave him. It's similar to Trump, it's a lot less than Trump, but he has a floor and a ceiling, I think. I think Bernie's never going to fall below like 12 to 14%, but I also don't think he's going to rise above much above 18%, which I think is going to eventually hurt him. I do think Warren will start taking away uh Support from him because if if you're a Bernie supporter, you probably agree with Liz Warren a lot, and she's got a plan for just about everything that Bernie doesn't seem to have a plan for. But but
4: she's inauthentic. I mean, he's the real deal. He's a socialist. Had his honeymoon in the Soviet Union back in the day. He's somebody who ran in the last cycle and did reasonably well. I mean, he's the only candidate that's been bouncing around who actually ran the last cycle, has all that support that can transition over to this cycle, Uh, and I'm. I'm the charter member of Republicans for Bernie Sanders. I really want to see him win the nomination. I,
0: I, I think there are a lot of Republicans who would like to see Bernie win the nomination. Uh, I think that I think what you're seeing Democrats just saying they're getting on board with the idea is that, you know, Democrats at their core want to be Trump. I think that is something that all the all the supporters have in common. and if it if Bernie is the nominee, I think you'll see people coalescing around him. I just do not think it's going to be him at the end of the day for some of the reasons you just brought up. So
3: but let's go back to 2016 in the, in the Michigan. Uh, was it Michigan? Yeah, Michigan primary where Bernie beat Hillary. Right. Am yeah, I making that? I I'm not making so, that. Yeah. And I, I was struck by what, do you think Jonathan Cott, as someone who's an insider with with more moderate centrist Democrats, the Connor Lambs of the world a, and Joe Manchin's of the world. Do you think that was that was more because of Hillary Clinton's candidacy? At, or do you think Michigan and that's a key battleground state that Do you think that's an illustration that progressive democratic socialism can win in a state like Michigan?
0: No, I think that was a product of a primary voter going out and it being a small sampling of the actual electorate. I think primary voters in a state like that would were probably, you know. 4% of what the electorate was uh, in the general election. So I, I don't put a lot of stock in Bernie winning primaries when almost every single person had accepted that Hillary was going to be the nominee at that point. I know in West Virginia, Bernie killed Hillary in our primary and okay. half the half of his voters in exit polls said they were going to vote for Trump in the general election. So that that, that, that didn't tell me you much. You
3: know, th- West Virginia is very similar to to. Parts of Pennsylvania, in yeah. the sense that there are many voters who, who truthfully, if if they had their choice, would vote in a primary between Trump and Bernie Sanders. Yeah. and that that's that's a that's a real, you know, I mean, thinking and. Our politics in
4: a sense Bernie Sanders has already won I mean his policies are mm. have dominated the discussion Medicare yeah. for all free college tuition That's what Nina Turner says
3: loans. I mean I'm interrupting you but I'm, I mean Nina Turner says that I mean that's her that's the that's the Sanders campaign yeah. argument against Elizabeth Warren right which is hey he was there before all of them he's right. like the coca-cola yeah. of socialism yeah
4: yeah no that's right and and those are his ideas they've adopted his ideas and 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 the big knock against the democrats is the lurch the left the fact that they've have all gone to Bernie Sanders' policies. Well, some of them dialed it back. Some of them backed away from Medicare for All, and it's hurting some of the candidates. You still have Bernie there, and he's still standing.
3: I got to tell you, just earlier today, I finally watched it. My mom told me to watch it on Christmas. Uh, the, the SNL, the latest skit of the Democratic <laughs> presidential it was debate. Great. And they brought back Maya Rudolph to do Kamala Harris, which is the best. I'm like, please just keep Kamala, come back into the race, because that is my favorite impression. So if funny. you haven't seen it, you got to go on YouTube and watch that. Coming up, we're going to talk policy with the panel. Jonathan Cott stays, Brian Darling stays. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
2: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin
3: Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Jonathan Cotts here. He's a former senior advisor to Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia. What's what's Senator, what's Senator he up to for the holidays?
0: He is back home with his family. He has a very large extended family of kids grandkids nieces and nephews and he loves getting home for the holidays and and he lives on a boat here in dc he does live on a boat here in dc he he, i want to
3: live on a boat (laughs) like below deck but like meets the (laughs) wharf you know what i mean
0: it it gets very cold in the winter and can be very hot in the summer but he does he is not part of dc and that was the best way he could not be part of dc
3: all right, I feel like I would do good on a boat, Brian Darling. Do you think I would? Would I make it?
4: The blow deck boat, you'd do great. <laughs> That's I love that really show. my
3: calling. I mean, that is my calling. Looks like fun. I feel like I would thrive in that <laughs> that environment. It's been. A, I'm not going to lie, folks. It's been a relatively. I don't want to jinx anything. A slow news day, yeah. as we call it in the biz. And it's very weird. I was at the White House, and President Trump's down at Mar-a-Lago. It's it's eerie being in a slow news day, especially when. The town is just so used to the dizzying, barrage of tweets and headlines and impeachment and trade deals. I mean, it's, it's eerily calm. It's
4: calm before the storm. I know. But, <laughs>
3: but no one knows when the storm's going to start with yeah, that impeachment trial. It could start
4: trial. tomorrow. You never know. You Trump never could know. start tweeting. <laughs> you know?
3: Well, he is tweeting earlier today about the stock market. The Nasdaq, according to Reuters, crossed the 9,000-point mark for the first time on Thursday as all three major Wall Street indexes posted record closing highs boosted by optimism over that U.S.-China trade deal. Meanwhile, The Bloomberg headline on the Bloomberg terminal, year in stocks ending just like it began in straight-up bliss. Rita Nazareth and Sarah Ponchek reporting, For stock traders, the middle months of 2019 got crazy enough that one veteran called them weirder than the financial crisis. The beginning and the end, on the other hand, have featured tranquility with few precedents in the financial markets. The S&P 500 started the year rising in nine of the first 10 weeks. Now it's closing out with gains in 11 out of the past 12. Wow, it seems like all of this optimism is rooted in trade. The President, for his part, a series of tweets all morning saying just how well the market 's doing i mean i, I won 't read the tweets verbatim, but essentially you know he's he's really hanging it in on 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 the stock market. Is that smart Brian
4: Yeah, yeah, I mean the stock market's soaring, meaning you know a lot of these big corporations are doing great unemployment 's down. We have unemployment at record lows. Uh, across every demographic the tax cuts worked the fact that you have the economy growing and this regulatory reforms working these are things he's gonna he's gonna stake his claim on and he's gonna campaign on this this is why i need to be reelected because you have a job you're doing better you have some money in your pocket and you don't want to screw that up by electing a socialist
0: i i think i mean he's shown he's definitely going to run on that he has said at rallies you have to vote for me because of your 401k i i i would agree the the, the stock market is doing well that that is helpful for a lot of us with 401ks and who are invested in it it's not it's not completely helpful for those of us who don't who don't have money in the stock market and you see that when you get outside of the beltway that people are still struggling yes the the stock market is through the roof that doesn't mean a lot when you're you know in downtown pittsburgh or you know but but i have to
4: push back a little bit i mean these numbers are hard to push back on i mean the job creation the low unemployment numbers consumer confidence are all really good numbers and i see a lot of democrats saying oh you know you got to look really deep to find the bad news and there's a lot of bad news there but there really isn't
0: it is good news there there are a lot of good news stories out of the economy i do also think that we should look back and see how did, how this trend started under president obama i think one of obama's problems was he didn't get on twitter and scream every day about how great his economy but that's was that's the whole doing. argument
3: i mean that, that right that, there is the yes. election is tweets yeah. i mean to to boil it down i mean it's it's more than that don't pull off the road if you're driving <laughs> and, and you're, but what i mean is i mean democrats are making this a temperament issue yes. and and they would and uh, democrats would also argue a constitutional one as it relates to impeachment Republicans, they would say it's it's a it's an economic argument. I mean yeah. that right there is the battle line. I'm not sure. I mean I, I think we're in for eleven uh, what nine more months of of this particular thing. I will say, I mean there was that one. I've, I'm blanking on the month, and I apologize. There was a couple of months ago that where everyone was talking about whether or not the economic volatility in Europe, which candidly has little to do with here whether or not that was going to spread and and that, that the slowdowns would lead to some type of financial recession here. And that – we're ending the year very optimistically. So, yeah. yeah
4: with, with the USMCA deal yep. being passed in Congress, with Trump announcing his China deal and selling it. I mean he's selling this. He is marketing oh. this to the American people. And I think that's one thing that Trump has over President Obama and a lot of the presidents of the past is – he is not afraid to spike the football when he has some good news, and he'll spike it over and over and over again, which is smart politics.
3: Yeah. Uh, what's Rand Paul do for the holidays?
4: He usually goes down to visit his dad uh, in Texas. So the That's whole thing right. Ron. Yeah, in Ron Texas, Paul. So. Yeah, they go down and hang out at the big family farm they have down in Texas. It's cool. Yeah.
3: It's That's cool. very cool. Is it next door to the bushes? Or is it like – a Texas is a big state, so I hear. It is so a I big hear. state, yeah. Everything's bigger down there. That's what they, <laughs> that's what they always say. Well,
4: he, he loads everybody in the car. I don't know if he did it this year because that is a long drive. But he usually drives down and hangs out, and it's extended family. It's a lot of fun. Is,
3: he, is, is Senator Paul still tight with Tulsi Gabbard?
4: You know, when I worked in the Senate, he had a couple of meetings with Tulsi. Right. Uh, he's he's. I think they see eye to eye and, and quite a few policy. issues. foreign
3: policy, right. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see – I, you know, I'm not saying that she's not going to win the nomination, but she's polling very low. She hasn't yeah. made the debates. But I'll, I'll say she's not going okay. <laughs> to. Well, I don't like to predict. I don't. You know, I don't. I don't know. You know, I'm. You know. But anyway, when when all this is over, it'll be interesting to see how everyone assembles back. Remember, Ted Cruz grew a beard. Yeah. Remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so you never know how these yeah. folks are going to like uh, uh, go back into Congress, go back into the Senate. Coming up, we are going to talk impeachment. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Jonathan Cott stays. Brian Darling stays. You're listening to Bloomberg
4: 99.1.
2: Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
3: Welcome back. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Brian Darling's here. He's the former... Advisor to Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, founder of Liberty Government Affairs, and Jonathan Kotz here. Jonathan, you are a former advisor to Senator Joe Manchin. You just left like within the last year and you are the president of Majority Makers, a firm which looks to get centrist Democrats elected. Uh, what was I going to ask? Oh. What, what is Joe Manchin going to do on impeachment?
0: I, I, he hasn't told me what he's going to do on impeachment yet. I think uh, unlike most of us who were paying attention to everything that happened in the House minute by minute, most senators did not pay a lot of attention to that. They were focused on packing the end-of-the-year spending bill with all of their top priorities, and he was able to get his uh, minors bill in there, and he was very happy about that. I think he's probably spending this break reading up on – Lisa you know, the Murkowski clin- – <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's talking to his very good friend Lisa Murkowski about what she's thinking. I'm sure he'll talk to some other senators. But I think at the end of the day they're all going to wait to see how this trial even plays out.
3: I mean you look at you look at West Virginia, a state that Trump carried by like what, 30 percentage yeah. points? Uh, 20, for,
0: 42. 42 <laughs>
3: percentage points. If you're a Democratic senator and he's a centrist, I don't see – I, but when is he up for reelection?
0: Uh, Not for another
4: five years. So, I mean, people might not remember. He's got time. Unlike Doug Jones.
3: Unlike Doug Jones. What's Doug going to do? Doug, of course— Doug's going
4: to definitely vote against impeachment. And then will he he, he leave the party? He's still going to lose his re-election no matter what he does. To Jeff Sessions, though? I think Jeff Sessions will walk right back into his old seat. That seat's a very Republican seat. Doug Jones only won because he ran against a weak candidate.
3: Okay, let's go hypothetical. Something I never do, but let's do it. It's Friday and it's a slow news day. Uh, Doug Jones. Centrist Democrat narrowly beat he who must not be named Roy Moore Moore. Um, (laughs) and uh, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, But let's say he switches parties. Trump's got that beef with Sessions, right? I mean I could – stranger things have happened in the Trump era.
4: But Sessions has so much support in the state. I mean he already – the first poll that came out after he jumped in had him just destroying all of the opposition. I guess, uh, you know, you need to get 50% to avoid a runoff. He may not get 50%. It'll be him versus Tuberville, maybe. Tommy Tuberville, the former Auburn coach. But he's going to win. I mean, I don't see any... Way that he doesn't win the seat back. I,
0: I I am curious to see how Donald Trump handles that because in a state where Trump is that popular, I think he's going to have to weigh in, and I don't think him and Jeff Sessions ended. They on don't get along at all. Yet. Yeah, yeah and but
4: think about the you know my former boss didn't get along with Donald Trump when he was running against. It was him never for president. that bad though. Well, how about Lindsey Graham? Lindsey uh, Graham trashed Trump when he was true. running for president. Now Touché. they're best buds. Too shade, Brian
3: <laughs> Darling.
0: Uh Lindsey Graham never, uh, according to Donald Trump, allowed a, uh impeachment investigation and Robert Mueller to start. So I think <laughs> Sessions and Graham might have a little different uh relationship with Trump. I'll I'll also say this. If Tommy Tuberville is the nominee, there are a lot of Alabama fans who Alabama. Uh, don't like Auburn That's and true. might not vote for him. That is true. What? Wow.
3: You know, I always thought Pennsylvania politics was the best. Alabama politics is just going to be insane. Yes. And Louise, I mean, yeah. OK, take us behind the scenes, though, seriously, of the centrist of the centrist Democrats, people like Doug. Jen- I mean, we talked about him, but Joe Manchin, Susan Collins, Lisa Merkel, well less on the Republican side as well in terms of. But let's stick with Democrats. I'm getting all over the map on Friday. <laughs> Focus, Kev. In terms of Democrats, for someone like a Joe Manchin, what goes into the calculation? I know the Constitution. I know national security. But what take us behind the scenes. How does that process actually work on a very intense vote like that and, let's say, Kavanaugh?
0: I mean, on the, the Kavanaugh vote, he, he did not tell me how he was going to vote until we walked to the floor the day of the vote. So I had about 15-minute notice about how he was going to vote. He – looked at all the information. He went into the SCIF and read the FBI report. I have a feeling he's going to do the same with impeachment. Who does he
3: consult with?
0: Usually he goes back to West Virginia and talks to every single person he can – uh, he will stop at a tutor's biscuit and talk to somebody he will you know he hel- he holds town halls on these issues even though his staff begs him not to he wants to hear from I, his his constituents I don't think
4: it's uncommon in the senate for staffers to watch their boss walk down to the floor and say hmm i wonder how the boss is going to vote today
3: <laughs> I love that did that happen <laughs> with you and rand Oh yeah
4: definitely yeah. cuz you know, rand's a very independent guy you could give him vote recommendations you know the half the staff could recommend a no and he goes down and votes yes and we're not surprised because he's just so the way he is you know when you ask who does he consult with himself you know he he sits down makes his own mind up no matter what you tell him he'll listen to you but he'll make his own mind up and do what he wants to do
0: oh yeah there were plenty of times we walked to the floor and he did not tell me how he was going to vote and i I had to watch on the floor or <laughs> or on C-SPAN. And there were right. times I couldn't tell reporters how he was going to vote because I honestly didn't know.
3: I think Manchin – I think really who I'm interested to see is Susan Collins. I mean she's, she voted for Kavanaugh. She's been incredibly uh, tight-lipped about this. But the, the marker that was laid by Senator Lisa Murkowski earlier this week, week in Alaska to say that they want tweaks on the rules is a very different marker than saying – that he should be convicted and that's that's a very important nuance. here's a big
4: pushback for me republicans are tied to donald trump yeah. susan collins is going to lose if trump loses she's gonna have a much better chance of winning if he wins she's probably gonna win you know maine's a funny state that has a divided electorate there where you can actually split electoral votes and she has to she has to tote the Trump line. I don't think you're going to see any Republican defect on any vote in the Senate because they know that it's So then it's what's Trump Murkowski's deal? Oh, I think she's doing a lot like what we're going to see Mitt Romney probably do, too. A lot of tough talk. Oh, we need to be stop doing this. Stop with the rhetoric. Get a fair trial. Like, and that's how you inoculate yourself politically. You say you talk tough and then you vote with Trump.
0: I, I will say during my time in the Senate, I was always troubled by the amount of senators who were troubled by Donald Trump, but did nothing to change it. And in this time, like three or four senators can go to Mitch McConnell and tell him they want something and get it done because of the way the the rules of the Senate work. I will say, I don't think, I agree, I don't think there are going to be any Republicans who break. But Lisa Murkowski is somebody who got elected after losing a primary, voted on a name thing, a yeah, name write vo- in. Right. Voted against health care, uh, voted against Kavanaugh. Lisa Murkowski wrote a joint op ed with Joe Manchin in right. West Virginia three weeks before our election, which I'm sure made a lot of Republicans angry. She does not seem to care, care. what anybody thinks. Um, I've never been I- to Alaska. Look, she also was able to get something done that her father and Ted Stevens never got done. She got Anwar drilling yes, done. True.
3: Right? Yeah, so I she did. I don't think so Lisa she's good. I
0: don't think, <laughs> I don't think Lisa Murkowski is worried about what anybody <laughs> yeah. wants her to do. She'll do whatever she wants. But I don't think she, in the end of the day, is going to vote. What's
3: with this debate, Brian, of whether or not there ha- the, we, the Senate has to wait for Speaker Pelosi to even hand over the articles of impeachment yeah. or whether or not they can just do
4: it? Yeah, I mean, is that's a debate that only eggheads in Washington can have and care about. Has he been impeached or not? It's going to become an academic discussion when she delivers And it's one papers. of those
3: discussions that no one's going to ever want to have 20 right. years from now. You're going to be like, like what? Yeah, but we're having that
4: debate now, which is crazy. Only like in Washington. Every,
3: every four years, a, a, a contested convention and, del- yeah, and yeah, you're like, yeah, that's right. you're like, no. convention, you're like whoever comes. wins the most primaries <laughs> is going to get the nomination yes. there's never going to be a like a, a sorry watch me be wrong and they can play this tape <laughs> no. no you get momentum out of Iowa right. momentum out of New exactly. Hampshire momentum out of South Carolina momentum out of Super Tuesday yeah. and no American likes to feel that the primary process even though there's a bunch of rules likes to feel that it was stolen from them that's on right. either
0: party Yes. Right? That, that, that is correct. And I, th- I think you're right. We all sit around and we're eggheads. Don't and we don't have lives. Right. We dissect everything. <laughs> and I think I, I tell every new staffer that comes to the Hill, I know you watched West Wing and you think this is going to be your life. And you oh, might tell your I friends. I did watch the West Wing. And you might tell your friends that it's as, as exciting as House of Cards. But in reality, it's Veep. Veep. And at the end of yeah, the day, like that. that's that's what our lives are. Yeah. That's all
3: it is. You got to keep the laughs alive. All right. Coming up, what's on the panel's radar? download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. I like that line, Cot. I want it in the intro. If we redo the intro in the new year, that should go in the intro. of It's it's Veep. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Jonathan Cott stays. Brian Darling stays. We're living our lives in Veep on a Friday, last Friday of the new year. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg
2: 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. On Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
3: I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Brian Darlings here. What was the best holiday gift you got from Christmas? I'm for Christmas? lame.
4: I get sweaters that I really like. It's not lame. Embrace <laughs> it. <laughs> They're keeping me very warm. All I wear are sweaters and van shoes. That's all I wear, so that's all I want. <laughs>
3: That's amazing. You know, my dad oh, like always wears those dad shoes. Yeah. And I said, Dad, you're like really stylish right now because they're coming back in style. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jonathan Cott, happy Hanukkah. Thank you. What's your What was your favorite Hanukkah present? Uh, pocket watch. The
0: Very nice. Time, nice. The chain. Yeah, I I feel like I was born style wise in the in the wrong in the century, wrong decade. That's great. Yeah. I don't
3: have any of those smartwatches because I, I they, first of all I don't understand them, yes. and second of all I feel like they would just. I have a phone. I still yeah. have never yeah. understood what the point is of those electric. Thing, the electric watches, I yes. just don't get it. and It's like one more thing to charge. Right. My suitcase, we were talking about this in the break. I got a suitcase which I love for for Christmas. It was my big gift. I'm going to be hitting the road. We're going to Iowa, New mm-hmm. Hampshire, South Carolina, and I needed a new carry-on suitcase and it came with a charger. Yeah. But I don't know when I'm supposed to put the USB cord in. Now nowadays suitcases have chargers.
0: Yeah. Well, for everybody who needs their iPhone 24/7, you have to have it charged up at all times. So
3: I have to charge my suitcase. Yeah.
0: Not crazy. I the thought the world it was we cool. live in.
3: <laughs> I'm, I, I'm old enough to remember when they first put wheels on the suitcase, yeah. and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> remember? So great,
4: yeah. You, know, you can just yeah.
3: wheel it right in. So great. And now we have <laughs> charged, charged, uh, charged suitcases, charged folks. Suitcases. What's on your radar, Brian Darling?
4: Well, probably something that's not in anybody else's radar, but the fact that. Our federal government is just out of control with spending. We just passed a horrible spending bill that both Republicans and Democrats held their hands on that was supported by the Trump administration. And I've talked to my former boss Rand Paul about this and you know, trying to figure out ways to control spending and you kind of at some point throw up your hands because Neither party cares about it. Nobody cares You're about it. You're two
3: years too early. You've got to wait until the next Republican presidential primary, oh, yeah. and that is when everyone will start caring again about exactly. government until Am I right? get elected, until and then they-, they won't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Washington. I mean, but to your point, is there a part of the Republican Party right now that can buck President Trump on the issue of government Spending and get traction.
4: Yeah, I mean, the Rand Pauls of the world, the Mike Lees in the house, you've got Chip Roy, who's a great new member from Texas, Thomas Massey from Kentucky. They seem to be the only guys that really care about it. What's Mike Lee been up to? Well, he's getting ready for impeachment. He's he's actually going to be very prominent in impeachment because of
3: Romney.
4: He's, yeah he's obviously he's going to be a counterweight and he's yeah. going to be a big defender of President Trump
3: how I mean how does that because because of his judicial background but that, why why are we going to be hearing more from him specifically
4: Well he's taken a leadership role in this fight and I think he's going to you know as somebody who was a dad was a Solicitor General of the United States he you know you, you need somebody who you could see in the Supreme Court right. leading this fight and he's one of those types of guys
3: interesting all right so what's on your radar is government is government waste
4: yes government waste i mean the sad thing is i look to this next year and i feel like congress isn't going to do much i mean <laughs> I, I i wonder if what's going to happen on cannabis policy and yeah. cryptocurrency but i don't think anything's really significant is going to happen some things have to happen i mean we're going to have a fisa a patriot act a reauthorization come up at some point next year but other than that, I just don't see anything happening.
3: With cannabis, I'm, I'm really interested to see whether or not President Trump makes some type of announcement during the next nine months about uh, about marijuana yeah. legalization as a whole. And it could help him with Biden It a— It could. A, and with Biden saying yeah, exactly where my head went.
4: Biden took a very odd position on it, very oh, outside very of the Democratic odd. Party and Outside been, of like— yeah, California. Make any sense, yes. I mean, <laughs> You can be moderate, but in that issue, it's not moderate to well, be Well, the private sector
3: is light years ahead, once again, of Washington, D.C. All right, mm-hmm. what's on your radar, Jonathan Cotton? Uh
0: I think the most important thing that happened the day the House voted for impeachment was the Fifth Circuit Court ruling on the Affordable Care Act. Yes. I think that will be something that more members talk about come November. More ads will be run on than impeachment, and it unfortunately came down on – the busiest news day in the last year. So it got very little coverage, but I think that will be something that is key. I do think uh, cannabis policy will be something that is, will become a hot political topic. I think you saw it with vaping. I think there are a lot of people who claim uh, vapers are like the new, you know, house mo- soccer moms, suburban yeah. dads. Like that is a voting block of people. And I think you're going to see the cannabis group. Uh, come out strong and that 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 will be a 2020 issue to keep on your radar
4: yeah and, and federally raising the age to 21 was pretty you know came out of nowhere you had a lot of things that happened in that last minute spending bill that people are just kind of figuring out now you know the whole idea uh, in that big end of year deal they had a couple of bills one of which uh, gave a uh, paid family leave to federal workers and you know issues like that that came out of nowhere
3: all right I've got two things on my radar today. Actually, I have a bunch. But let's start with Israel. Netanyahu winning party leadership to fight another Israel election, reading from the Bloomberg Terminal. Did you see this? Israel's legally embattled prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, easily fended off a rare challenge to his leadership of the Likud party, reaffirming himself as the dominant figure in Israel's nationalist camp after two humiliating failures to form a government. Netanyahu can never count him out. Lives to fight another another battle. So he's Israel's politics right now has been amazing, incredible.
0: It may, it may be crazier than our politics, but <laughs> our politics has seeped in there. He he, uh, he has formed a strong bond with President Trump, and they they are hand in hand. Exactly. Let's use the term witch hunt. The, uh, <laughs> the other
3: the other thing on my radar: uh, the Philippines. Did you see this? The, 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 according to Reuters, the Philippines banned two U.S. lawmakers from visiting and is going to introduce tighter entry restrictions for U.S. citizens should Washington enforce sanctions over the detention of a top government critic. So Duterte, the president of the Philippines, imposing uh, these restrictions uh, against U.S. Senators Dick Durbin and Patrick Leahy. So they're banned from the Philippines if they yeah. want to go vacation in there.
4: Well, they they are not big fans of Duterte. No, so, I don't think many people are. Uh, they've been are. very critical of him, and I'm sure they would not want him to visit the United States.
3: Okay, but now I, we were talking about this. I did the serious stories, you know, but I have to mention that President Trump uh, blamed Justin Trudeau from being cut from Home Alone two in Canada. Reading from Fox News, he tweeted that out. Home Alone, the the legendary, the best, ah, one of the best. Um, yeah, it's Miracle on 34th Street, yeah. Home Alone 1 and 2 are amazing. A Christmas but story. Trump has a Christmas story. Great. Die uh, Hard. Die Hard, great, great. <laughs> it's a great, great Christmas movie. But t- Trump makes a cameo in Home Alone 2. And I guess some Canadian television yeah, cut station it
4: cut it out. It's like 15 seconds long. You know, when I watch Home Alone seconds. 2, I kind of wait to see that. I want to see that scene. That's oh, no.
3: I like the scene in the first one where he like... I always wanted to like chuck myself from the treehouse to the (laughs) the room, you know, and escape the robbers. Amazing! Thanks, Jonathan Cott. Thanks, Brian Darling. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
1: Osage County, Oklahoma, is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders